Luke part two next week as uh, Pastor Ryan takes us in the book of Acts. Um, but we started last week a mini-series, meaning last week and this week, uh, in the book of Jude. Um, Jude's one of those books that we don't talk much about. We try to, along the way, while we're doing these big series, introduce us to parts of Scripture we don't talk about a lot, like some of the minor prophets or like these small books at the end of the New Testament. And I, I made the case that this book is really important as we think about Acts going forward in the church and all the neat things we see happening um, we know we go into it, we do ministry in the context of battle, of warfare. And so would you rise as we read the final verses of Jude? It's one chapter. We went 1 to 16 last week. This is 17 through 25 uh, to you. It says, But you remember, beloved, the predictions of the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. They said to you in the last time there will be scoffers following their own ungodly passions. It is these who cause divisions, worldly people, devoid of the Spirit. But you, beloved, build yourself up in your most holy faith, and praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourself in the love of God, waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life. And have mercy on those who doubt. Save others by snatching them out of the fire. To others show mercy with fear, hating even the garment stained by the flesh. Get your benediction early here. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you glory with great joy, to the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory and majesty, dominion and authority before all time, now and forevermore. Amen. You may be seated. Remember, uh, Jude is the brother of Jesus, so uh, that's a pretty good connection. And he writes this little book, and it's about contending for the faith. To contend means to fight, to struggle, to wrestle for the faith, uh, verse 17 through 19, the first verses, kind of give us a summary of verses 1 through 16. But you remember, beloved, the predictions of the apostles of the Lord Jesus Christ. They said in the last day there will be scoffers following their own ungodly passions. And the, those who cause divisions, worldly people devoid of the Spirit. That's basically what we said last week. Uh, last week Jude said that there are, is a presence of false teachers... Um, they're there, they come in from the outside, this is not an inside job, they come on the outside and they come in and they spread lies, they spread doubt, they spread false teaching and it corrupts the nature of the true gospel, the message and deceives and thwarts. And then verses 5 to 16, most of last week was examples. We basically said, Jude's telling us the story of history and that is there's God, he's enthroned, We'll see it uh, in the person of Jesus particularly, but all of history, Old Testament, New Testament, church history, is man rebelling against the authority of God and his kingdom and his throne. In one of the ways, a large way, is through false teaching. It's tampering with the message, the story of the gospel. It's undercutting. So last week was all about the false teaching, but here... His last section, he makes a shift, verse 17. But you, beloved, remember, he says. Remember these people are out there. And then verse 20, he says again, But you, beloved, and he's going to give us action steps. How do we fight the battle against false teachers? It's the big showdown, right? It's like the, the MMA cage match, octagon, you know, in this corner, 
false teachers proclaiming heresy, ding, ding, ding. In this corner, you know, undisputed, you know, you got, you got this battle, you know, Super Bowl Sunday. The two, the two giants come, false teachers. What's he going to say? How are we going to contend? How are we going to fight for it? What's the pregame speech coach is going to give? How do we fight for the faith? Two main points. Each of the points have some subpoints, but two main points. Think about what you would say. You got the showdown, pay-per-view. What, do you, what would you say? Fight for the faith. He says this, number one, 20 and 21. Keep yourself in the love of God. <laughs> That's kind of disappointing, right? We got this fight. It's game time. We've been, we've been building up. First thing you do, how do you fight for the faith? Here's the enemy. Here's the battle lines. Keep yourself in the love of God. But you, beloved, I've been talking about the false teachers, but you, beloved, build yourself up in your most holy faith, praying in the Spirit. Keep yourself in the love of God, waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life. There's a lot in verse 20 and 21. But the main verb is to keep. I think, I, I think Scott, I think I heard you say this at some point. I, I, learned, uh, I learned English by learning Greek in seminary, right? You learn how words work. And in this couple of verses, there's a lot of verbs like words, but the main verb is to keep. This is the main thing, keep. And then there's these participles, right? They're adverbial participial phrases, right? Learn, you learned some grammar today. In other words, they're all contingent on this main verb to keep. We got the fight. We got the showdown. He told us in verse 3 at the beginning, we have to contend for the faith. How are we going to do it? We're going to keep ourselves in the love of God. And these other phrases are going to tell us how to do it. Interesting, isn't it? What does that tell us? Keep yourself in the love of God. It tells us the faith that's being fought over is about a love relationship with God. We're in a relationship with God. The two ladies mentioned it. It's about a relationship with God. But we're to keep it, which implies what? We tend to lose it or we tend to move away from it. Something pulls us from this love relationship we're to have with God. Why do we move away? Maybe we don't experience it. Maybe it feels dry. Maybe we don't believe it. Maybe some of us get close to the love of God and the love of God is exposing and it's threatening and it's vulnerable. The book puts the emphasis on the fact that we move away because sin creeps in. It's come in from the outside. It's come into our fellowship. It's come into our hearts. And it allures us. It's appealing. It's enticing. And so we just kind of move away. It's like the, you know, going out in the, in the Gulf. You don't go out from your chair and your little tent and end up six miles down the road. You know, you go in and you, you're out there on your float and you look up and you're like, where's my, where's my stuff? And it's way down there, right? You just kind of drift along. The false teaching moves you. And, and uh, Ephesus, it, Revelation 2 says that the Ephesian church encountered false teaching, and they were doing a lot of really good things. Like they were coming to church, and they were giving their money, and they were helping, and they were but they've done what? What does he have against them? They have forsaken their first love. Somewhere along the way, in the religious stuff, their heart was drifting far away. He says, we got enemies attacking us. Let's keep ourselves in the love of God. What would you have said? You got enemies attacking. What would you? What would your advice be? Keep maybe keep yourself obedient, right? Keep yourself in line. We got to get disciplined. 
We've got to do our quiet time. We got to get it in order. What would you say? We need better programs, we need better structure. He says, we've got to keep ourselves in love with God, in connection at a heart level to God. How does he do that? That's our three uh, participial phrases. He says, three ways to keep yourself in the love of God. First, he says, we build ourselves up. But you, beloved, building yourselves up in your most holy faith. Building ourselves. This is a, it's plural. Y'all together build yourself. This is not individual workouts. This is, you know, this isn't one-on-one. This is like a boot camp class where there's like 50 people. And you need everybody yelling at each other so you can keep going. And, you know, you kind of keep. This is, we're all together. We're building ourselves up in the faith strengthening ourselves. The implication is that we're here together and things come in our personal lives in the church and they tend to pull us away and we get weak and we haven't exercised some of the muscles and they start atrophying and so we need somebody to come grab us and say, hey, let's get back in the gym, right? Let's come on back over here. Let's work out. It's kind of like, uh, I know we got a couple coaches in here. Michael Knapp, playoffs. Elite Eight, our coach, good job. You know, coaches, before the big game, uh, you know, they, uh, they ask him at the press conferences, you know, what do you need to do? You know, they have a, number five's really good, and, you know, their head coach has got this scheme, and they do this. And what do almost all coaches say? Put you on the spot. They say what? We just got to worry about ourselves, right? Right, right Kane? We got to do what we do. If we do our, if we do our stuff... And we execute our game plan. We're going to be we're focused on everything else out there. And there is an enemy. But be cautious of ministries or churches. It's always talking about the devil all the time, right? The devil's out there. We need to, but we need to focus on building ourselves up. Let's get really, really, really strong and anchored. Let's be really solid at what we do. And then we'll be able to withstand, he says. Be able to stand up. It says we build up in the most holy faith. The faith is, is the, the faith, capital. It's not like our individual personal. It's the faith, like the Apostles' Creed. It's build yourself up in the content of the faith. Know what you believe. Ground yourself. Know the fundamentals. Know the basics. Beat the gospel into your heart. That's why we come to church every week. Part of it is like, is this here? To check, a bo- to check a box, to do the religious duty? No. We come every week because we get weak and we struggle. And if we're not here together, we get pulled away. We start loving other things. We start going to the internet for our, for our joy and satisfaction. Or we find other means of escape to find life and meaning. We, we numb out on the world. So we come back together, and it's like this uh, locker room talk where we tell each other and we sing. In fact, Christian songs... I. I you know, I have a love-hate with Christian songs. Let me just be honest with you. Some of y'all know that. Some, Ashton, love you. But, um, I mean, so, you know, I'm thinking sometimes, this is the, what are we singing? You know, what are, what are we doing here, you know? Kumbaya, campfire, kind of like, you know, she'll be in tears. We sing it, and if you, the good ones, which we try to pick good ones, have good lyrics and good content, and it's really us just telling each other the truth in song form. We're like, we're saying it over and over again. You're saying it to us. We're saying it to you. We're reciting it because we forget it. We get pulled away and we forget it. And I'm trying to say it to you. We take communion so we can 
have an object lesson so we can touch it and see it. Oh, yeah, it's true. I need the, the, the visual. Somebody needs Ben up here yelling at you. Somebody needs that song we just sang. Somebody needs the prayer of confession. And we just say it in every possible way we can. It's true that it keeps us and it builds us up in the faith. Because if we don't do that, you know, you get the, the, the flabby arm because I haven't done triceps in a long time, right? I'm not building anything up. It's not happening, so i got to get back. But I don't want to go to the gym. It's a lot of work. So Dwayne calls me and says, get up, come, to, come with me. Meet for men's night because we need to be together because you're struggling. So show up and be, be involved. That's a little feisty today. Oh, what's going on? <laughs> Czech Republic, Slovakia has got me going. Love it. Build up. How do we build up in the faith? Uh, application here. Build up in the faith. The people of God together in an intentional way around the Word of God. I think that's it. It doesn't have to be in formal church. It can be in small group, one-on-one. It can be over coffee. It can be at men's time. It's walking intentionally together, the people of God, around the Word of God. I mean, we have to read quoting Scripture, but the content is the truth of God's Word, and we're, just, we're telling each other the truth. And where we're weak, we're being built up. All right, first way we keep ourselves in the love of God, I'm going to move faster, is uh, we build ourselves up. Second, we pray in the Holy Spirit. They mentioned that in their testimony. We pray. You know, here we go again. The Bible wants us to pray. Surprising, right? We pray in the Spirit. Jude's readers, it says, they're, they're, they're controlled by the Spirit. You, you know how hard prayer is. Sometimes the more you know, the harder it is to pray. And I'll make a quick point. It says that the, the false teachers were what? They were devoid of the Spirit. So what if you're, de- if you're devoid of the Spirit, how are you operating? You're in the flesh, right? You're operating on the throne of your heart as yourself. You're operating out of your own ability, your own strength, your own, your own knowledge, your own gifts, your own whatever you have that you think you got is going to make it. You're operating out of that. Instead, to, to keep the love of God, to be ready for the fight because there's snipers and there's enemies, to keep ourselves in the love of God, we've got to pray by the Spirit of God guiding us and leading us, keeping us, self, keeping us reliant upon the Spirit. Not, not programmed, not like, i got to get everything right. I, gotta, I remember praying as a teenager, and I thought it was all about the word choice. Like God was really worried about my word order and my grammar and all the things. Like i got to get, no, i got to do it again. It's about a relationship with God and the Spirit praying. And then it's prayer with purpose. Because remember, the purpose is that there's an enemy. There's false teachers. So it's not prayer, just, uh, just, just casual. If it's just casual, why would we pray? Right? Well, no. It's, uh, you know, the, the, uh, maybe you've heard the old John Piper quote. He says, prayer is a wartime walkie-talkie for spiritual warfare, not a domestic intercom to increase the comfort of the saints. How about that? You remember the intercoms you used to have in your house? Maybe you'd push, you know, kids, peanut butter and jelly's ready. They come from the basement, you know, <laughs> right? It's like you're in a foxhole and you're like, what are we going to do? We're not self-reliant because we're getting shot at. So maybe we should pray and beg and ask, God, would you show up, right? That's when you pray the most, right? You pray when you're desperate. We pray in the spirit to keep ourselves in the love of God. I'm moving from the love of God. I'm being pulled away. I'm finding other lovers. I'm finding other things. Well, let's keep ourselves. How? Let's beg and pray. And you know what? We often can't do that by ourselves. We pray together. We ground ourselves. 
the love of God. You're depressed. You're lonely. Your kids are going off track. You lost your job. You're struggling. You've got a non-Christian neighbor. We pray in the Spirit of God to ground us. Third thing, how we keep ourselves in the love of God. He says this, part simple, waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 21. Build your Keep yourself in the love of God, waiting for the mercy of the Lord Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life. That's all about hope. How do you keep yourself? It's hope. Hope's a dangerous thing. Be careful with hope. You face hardship and you're embattled. You need hope to fight. You need to know that the future is different. If there's a vision out there, it says we wait in hope. Nobody likes to wait. Nobody likes to be patient. But again, these are plural, waiting and hope together. Um, man, hospital waiting room is like one of the loneliest places in the world. You know, when you're waiting for somebody to come out, you don't know. Did, did the cancer spread? You know, are they going to make it through the triple bypass? And so, we, you know, if, if you've done that, I've had a chance to do this personally, but also as a pastor, you say, hey, man, uh, this may be before COVID. Hey, can I, uh, can I come wait with you? Can I, just, can I just sit in the room with you? So you show up, and, and they're, they're nervous. You know, they're, By the way, doctors, we have a lot of doctors in training here. Um, you need to take that serious. It's serious. It's serious. But you're there, and you say, hey, hey can, I just, can I just come wait with you? And when you wait, what do you do when you wait? I said, remember when dad used to do that crazy thing? And you laugh, and then you cry because you're scared, and you, and you tell stories, and you dream, and you hope, what's it going to be like? What if he doesn't make it? And you just, but you do it together because it's the body. We're keeping ourselves in the love of God. We're doing it together. We're waiting. But here it says we're waiting for mercy that leads to eternal life in Jesus. We're waiting, but we're waiting with, with confidence we know that we know the good news. It, it might be a long wait, you know. It might not be a two-hour surgery. It might be one of those couple days. I don't know. You do surgery for a couple days. Twelve hours, Lee, in the surgery. You know, it's not the uh, it's not the one-day battle. It's like the hundred years' war. You know, it's like a long thing. But we wait. We wait. But we know the news is good on the end. It's the return of the Lord Jesus for glory. So we're waiting, so we're crying, we're scared, we're struggling, but we're telling the story to each other because we have the hope of eternal life in Jesus, right? And that's how we keep ourselves. Because there's everything in our world pulling us in all different directions. Lies, doubts, struggle, accusations. So we wait together for the mercy, the mercy of God to finally be revealed. We don't know how long it'll be. It might be a long wait. We tell it, we wait in hope for the mercy that leads to eternal life. That the news, when the doc comes out, it's good news every time. It's good news. We keep ourselves in the love of God. Um, notice this point that ends um, as we think about keeping ourselves and the points I mentioned. It, it revolves all the persons of the Trinity. Do you notice that? All the persons of the Godhead are involved. Did you see that? We fight, we got an enemy. How should we deal with it? Root yourself in God. The love of God the Father, 
Pray in the Spirit of God and hope and wait on Jesus. Pretty good answer, right? They're coming at us. How are we going to deal with it? Oh, I know. God. Ground yourself in God and you're going to be okay. People of God, ground yourself. All right, that's the first one. First, really quick point, right? Second point and final point. We keep ourselves in the love of God. Secondly, how do we deal with false teaching? It says we show mercy to others. Isn't that interesting? We show mercy to others. Verse 22 and 23. And and have mercy on those who doubt. Save others by snatching them out of the fire. To others show mercy with fear, hating even the garment stained by the flesh. Again, this is kind of... Kind of a frustration. We've got a battle. We've got an enemy. We've seen them march up. They're fully armed. And we're supposed to ground ourselves in love. Well, that sounds, sounds great. And now we're supposed to show mercy to the enemies. I want to, like, throw a grenade, right? Like, let's go to battle, right? It's like Braveheart kind of thing, right? Let me, and he says, no, show mercy. Who says that? Who says that kind of stuff? I guess people that have been... Receive mercy. Well, that's kind of what we are. <laughs> right? That's kind of what we are. We're, we're, we're the gathered people of God that once were not a people, been brought in by mercy. And so now we look at the battle and they look big and scary and we can't believe those non-Christian pagan world. And we're like, oh yeah, that's, that's, just, that's just people that need mercy like me. It's the kindness of God that leads to repentance. God subverts, you know, the classic uh, responses when you, you deal with conflict, you know, trauma, you know, fight, flight, or freeze. You know, some of us duke it out, enemy. Some of us run, flee. Some of us freeze in fear. We don't know what to do. What do we do when the enemy's there? We show mercy. Only, only people that do that are people that have been with Jesus. That's not how we naturally respond. When you've been with Jesus, like Jude, you know, he's his brother. He has seen my brother do this. <laughs> I know the battle's scary. You're with Jesus. This is how you respond. We don't self-protect. We don't cloister ourselves away from the world. We show mercy. A couple things he says about mercy. He says, show mercy to those who doubt. Um, in many ways, uh, sincere believers were doubters, right? We struggle. It's kind of a fine line between belief and doubt. Even though you come to faith, there's struggles, there's doubt. So those that are doubting, we contend with mercy. What, what could be our options? What about someone that doubts? Maybe you're, you're here and you're doubting or the person next to you. We could just kick them out. We don't have, none of that's here. We've got it all together. We could blast them. We could judge them. Can you believe they're struggling with their faith? Or we could say, who doesn't doubt? Let's show mercy. Let's walk together. We had a whole conference about doubt in November. Mark and Zach came, right? It's all about meeting people that struggle. We doubt. Those that doubt. We contend with mercy. Enemies are, are harsh and cutting but the gospel comes against and it's subversive. It cuts through. Do you respond with mercy? Another group, it says, uh, show mercy. It says, 23, save others by snatching them out of the fire. 
I put on there, uh, show mercy to those who are being persuaded. What do, what do I mean by that? Um, the first group's doubting. It's a progression. They're doubting. You're here, you're doubting. The second group, it's dangerous. They're moving away. It's part of a process. They, 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 this deconverting, deconstructing, they're moving further along. So there's a sense of urgency here. They be involved. Save them. Snatch them out of the fire. This is a, a quote from Amos where God says to Israel, you were like a burning stick snatched from the fire. It's like it was being burned and he just grabbed it. It was happening. You were being pulled away. The enemies were coming in. You were being allured. You were leaving the camp. You were sneaking out. You were finding other lovers. And we grab you and bring you back in. You save. It's, mercy does not mean passivity. You know, we often think about battlefields. You go to battlefield to to fight, to kill. Um, but uh, anybody seen that movie, 1917? You seen that movie? Good movie. You know, there's a, the, uh, the general comes to one of the privates and says, hey, your, uh, your brother, he's, uh, he's in this behind enemy lines, a secret mission, but the plan has been derailed. They're going to they're gonna be ambushed. They're, they're going to all die. And we have no communication. They're, they're behind. It's World War I, trench warfare. And he says, can you get this message to your brother? And he says, well, I will. I'll do it, right? I'll you know go through everything. Goes through the goes through the uh, the tunnels. He he's grenades. He's behind enemy line barbed wire. Mines blowing up. I'm gonna get there because if I don't get there, I can't save him or right? I can't snatch him from the fire. That's the image. It's not about going out to kill. It's about going out to rescue and save. Show mercy on those who are being persuaded. Some they're doubting, okay, but now they're moving down and they're they're being allured away. And there's an urgency. Are we going to go snatch them, grab them back, pull them back, rescue them? When it says save others, it doesn't mean we're the. We doesn't mean we save people. It means we're the conduit. We're the people. We're the ministers of salvation by going and rescuing. Final group, he says, another progression. It says it says to others show mercy with fear, hating even the garment stained by the flesh. So you got doubters, you got those who are being persuaded. We got to save them now, and then we got those already that are fully engulfed. It's like Psalm one. There's this progression of sin. They're fully engulfed. It says their garments are stained. They're filthy. They're totally worldly. They're debauched. You know how how gross? Can you believe it? Immoral. Are you disgusted? What does Jude say? Says, have mercy. Have mercy. When's enough enough, right? When are we going to bring the hammer? Even those fully engulfed, stained in the flesh, show mercy. You only get that if you've been with Jesus. Right? Bless those who curse you. Every, every religious leader says, love your friends. Jesus says who? Love who? Love your enemies. Love those who persecute you, who curse you. He gives a warning. He says with caution. Jude's not stupid. He knows when you go, when you go to save them that are fully engrossed in sin, you're going to be tempted and allured yourself. Know your own humanity because we're having mercy because they're not all that unlike us. They've just gone down this path. So when you go over there with them, be careful, with fear, be cautious. Because sin runs deep and it will allure you. 
It will draw you in. It will ensnare you. I think about the words Paul says in Galatians 6. He says, brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, he didn't say despise them, those dirt bags. Does he say that? It's not in Scripture. He says, you who are spiritual should restore him in the spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you be too be tempted. Do you see that? Go, go, go to the dark places. Go to the gates of hell. Go to the, go to the broken place. Go with caution. Go with gentleness, because they're not too much unlike you. You could be there too. Go together. Go with brothers, sisters, and bring them back. Show mercy. Keep yourself in the love of God. Show mercy to others. That's not how I would have said it. I would have said, let's roll our sleeves up. Let's do this. Let's have a battle. That's not how the kingdom of God is fought. I hope you see the seriousness of this text. We move into Acts. We see the early church move forward. We got it. We're going into a battle. But Jesus subverts the ways of the world. The means, the method is different, not just the end. Because King Jesus is different from anything we've experienced and anything we've met. We keep ourselves and we show mercy. Final thought, conclusion. The middle verses are all about our action. But this book is, is bookended with two verses. Verse 1. To those who are called, beloved in God the Father, and kept by Jesus Christ. Remember we just said we're to keep ourselves, right? Be active. They're kept by Jesus. Verse 24. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and present you blameless before his throne. He's the people of God, beloved. He says that word over and over again. You've been called and kept by me. Hey, in the middle, work your butt off right. Keep yourself. Stay in the fight. Do the good deed. And the end, to God who's going to keep you. God will ground us. God will hold us. God will oversee this whole campaign of redemption. He is in charge and rules and reigns. Isn't that good news? Go for it. Get after it. And the confidence that God is keeping us from beginning to end in his name. So we can fight. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that it's powerful. Thank you that it, uh, we just scratched the surface. It changes us. It, it comes to the deep, dark places of our hearts, the places we want to hide from, we want to minimize, and it changes us. Lord, I pray that we would know today, tonight, the deep, deep love of Jesus for us. And as we know it, we wouldn't, we don't hoard, we're not hoarders. We're not keeping a stash in the corner. We're not building up arms for the, the great day, we, we get the love and we just start giving it away because mercy is, that's mercy is who you are. Mercy is why we're here. May you make us those type of people. Amen. Would you stand as we uh, contend for the faith together by reciting the Apostles' Creed, the substance of our faith? Say it together. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and buried. He descended into hell. 
Third day, he rose again from the dead. He descended to heaven, seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there, he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. To be uh, quick here, but um, you may be seated. Excuse me. Um, defeating the false teachers isn't totally non, uh, isn't totally passive or, or, or nonviolent. You know, I mean, you know, I, I, you know, part of the man in me and, and wants this battle war. You know, got the enemy. Like, let's let's get our guys. Let's let's, let's put a bunch of gear on and let's like figure it out. You know, let's go for it. Um, and then we're taught to love people and show mercy. That's kind of a letdown. Um. But it involves violence. It involves wrath. It's just not our wrath, our violence. It's God's wrath and his violence on himself. How does that strike you? God dealt with wickedness and false teaching that was coming and distorting. And he grounded us. And secure very, very violent way by allowing his son to be torn and beaten and crucified. He poured his wrath out on himself that he took sin, the false teacher's sin, our sin, he took it upon himself and drank the wrath of God. You see what I mean by subversive? None of us could have predicted that. The gospels, nobody in human history, no philosophy, no religion, no culture comes up with that. Their God, their deity is about power, enthroned, crushing the enemies, crushing those who rebel. And the gospel says God came and was crushed to undo the world, to change the way it's wired. He rewired the whole thing through his own son and his death. If we get that, then we'll sing all those crazy songs that we sing every week, right? If we get that, if that's true, if the world's rewired and remade in the death of Jesus, it would change everything. If this is a self-help story, it might make you feel a little better, a little better parenting, help me with my addiction, help me not do this, then forget it. Go somewhere else. Don't come here on Sunday night. The gospel is about changing our lives and being transformed. If that's what it is, then let's come. Let's tell the story to each other. Let's sing it. Let's eat it. Let's preach it together. There is going to be some more wrath. We just said he will come in judgment. When Jesus comes again, it will be judgment. Jude's a lot about judgment. All those that put their faith in Jesus will find grace and mercy. And those that reject him will find the wrath of God for rejecting his son. It's heavy stuff. But for all those that find their faith and trust in Jesus, it is good news for us. Tonight when Jesus was betrayed, he took the bread. And after giving thanks, he broke it. And he said, this is my body that will be torn in two. Likewise, he took the cup. He said, this cup is the new covenant. It's the new relationship. How will it be forged? How are we going to make the pack? 
We're going to make it in my blood shed for the forgiveness of sins.